I'd like to thank Nom Nom for sponsoring this episode. If you've listened for a while, folks, you'll know I'm a big dog lover. Having lost a long-time four-legged best friend last year and gaining a new puppy this year, they're a part of the family for sure. That's why I'm excited for you fellow dog lovers out there to get your hands on fresh food made with whole ingredients backed by veterinary science and make sure your dog is getting the best diet possible with Nom Nom. Nom Nom is full of fresh proteins and vegetables like beef, chicken, peas, pork, kale and more. Not hidden away in the food but visible. Your dog's health starts in the gut. A better diet means softer coats, more energy, better breath, and we all love that dog breath, don't we? And smaller, more consistent stools. Your dog can't tell you if they're healthy, but you can tell when their health improves. So, how does Nom Nom work? You tell them about your pup's age, weight, allergies and protein preferences. They'll tailor a specific amount of individually packaged Nom Nom meals and send them straight to you. You can store them in the fridge or freezer until mealtime. They'll then give you specific instructions on how to transition your dog from foods like kibble to always fresh Nom Nom for best results. Finally, you can watch your dog clean out their favourite dish and see that tail wagging. Ready to make the switch to fresh? Order Nom Nom today. Go to trynom.com slash that UFO and get 50% off your first order plus free shipping. Plus, Nom Nom comes with a money-back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Nom Nom will refund your first order. No fillers, no nonsense, just Nom Nom. This is Leslie Kane, and you're listening to That UFO Podcast. Hi everyone, and welcome back to That UFO Podcast. My name is Andy, and we're into the breakdown part two, or Grush Hour part two, as I'm affectionately calling this, yeah. Um... Dan, welcome for this part. I am going to sound like I'm all over the place here because it's incredibly hot. The UK is in the midst of the worst heat wave since the last one. And last year. Uh, yeah, since the, the last heat wave we had. It's uh, 25 degrees, but in the shed, I think I'm not exaggerating when I say it's closer to 35, probably. Um, I have for the YouTube viewers, hi, a frozen bottle of water down my back. And uh, I won't scar you with it, but I have a hot water bottle filled with cold water, which has been partially frozen up my T-shirt. So there it is there for YouTube viewers. <laughs> if I sound a bit rambly, it's just the heat and lack of oxygen. So, yeah. That's, that's the big bucks from the podcast, giving you like good aircon and stuff, right? 100%. <laughs> I may have to invest in an air conditioning unit, folks. Yeah. So um, I'm going to start a GoFundMe for an air conditioning unit. <laughs> no, I won't. I won't. I'll, I'll maybe get one. Uh, they're very loud. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I worry that if I plugged one in, I don't have a mains unit in this room either. It's an uh, extension from the house, so it might blow up. Um, yeah. And yeah, so it would be very useful, though, because it's incredibly warm. But anyway, for yeah, the couple be. of weeks of the year that it's too hot, it then gets too cold and people have seen they've got hot water bottles and everything. So here we are. Um, breaking news. First, hot off the press, um, as we talk, no pun intended. Avi Loeb, Dan, you've just seen uh, and the Galileo Project, which I've just realised sounds like an incredible 80s synth band. <laughs> Abby Loeb in the Galileo Project. Brian Cox could play keyboard. Yeah, with their hit Interstellar Dregs. Um, <laughs> because they have been dredging the bottom of the Pacific Ocean, um, where they believe they've found the site of the first interstellar meteor. That was in the news quite a while ago. Avi was very keen to get a team there to say, can we recover this? Because if we know this extraterrestrial object, we're not saying alien, although it literally is alien in that sense, yeah. um, has crashed and went into the ocean, has hit there, we should go and get it. You know, it's got incredible minerals, you know, potential different properties we should study from a scientific point of view. Um, and uh, Avi put on a blog today, the link will be in the, the chat, that uh, today, and I'll quote, Ryan Weed and Jeff Wynn analysed in detail this unexpected wire and concluded that its composition is anomalous. Compared to human-made alloys for the composition analysis, Ryan used the X-ray fluorescence analyzer uh, manufactured by Brooker whose CEO, Frank Laukian, is co-founded with me, the Galileo Project. Ryan concluded that ISI-2, which I think is interstellar, or so IS-1-2, interstellar-1-2, has two composition peaks at magnesium and platinum. Yeah, I think people have probably switched off at that point. Essentially, they found a little wire in the, the dredging of the bottom of the ocean that they believe is anomalous in the way it's made up and its properties. Dan to make this very unscientific for the majority of folks who are listening to this, like me, who wouldn't understand this, um, 
He's reported it's a sample. It's a little bit of something. They believe it's from the meteor. It's like a little wire that's only it's eight millimeters in, in size. It's sure. eight millimeters. Yeah, pretty small. And uh, we hear about isotopic ratios and metals are proper uh, metals with various properties recovered from potential crashed craft you know et craft and and they're layered in a certain way that doesn't make sense to us or it's very hard to do here on earth if not impossible um what what do you see from your kind of scientific mindset when you look at this report from avi it's really interesting for one just that you know they're on site and they're being so transparent about this already people were worried about how transparent they were going to be as a project and in the past week we've seen they have a Times square billboard that they're just going to put all the results up so this piece is probably being shown off on there and they're really coming out swinging after after arrow you know is kind of holding its card close to his chest galileo is kind of going hey this is what we found we don't know where it is yet but here it is you know work forthcoming it's going to be amazing seeing the analysis of stuff like this because abby his idea was that these objects from outside of our solar system could very well be, you know, derelict machines or technology from another world. So it's really intriguing that they found a wire because that's, you know, in one way, that's a very human construct, right? Like we would expect that to be a human piece of technology. But again, we don't know what a UFO is going to look like inside. And this whole we do, we kind of have to take these things seriously. What they're doing is essentially dragging a big magnet across the ocean floor and meteorite is magnetic so it should stick to the plate that's the idea but instead of you know the bits of rocks and stuff like that they've dragged up this bit of wire so it's really intriguing there, there could be something down there right we, we could essentially probably get a, another show like skinwalker ranch out of this if they if they were you know so fit but i i would hope for like a you know, a one hour special kind of detailing yes. everything that he's doing and really going in depth. I think that would be the way to go. Yeah. Um, and just before I go on, I just want to say, so I'm currently in Asheville, really near the Brown Mountain Lights. And I had the pleasure of filming them the other day. They were spectacular. I'll show that video. But there were a few people there that I met that I just wanted to give a little shout out to. Um, so firstly, shout out to Willow and Meadow on the East Coast. Thank you for, you know, taking up the mantle of the ghoulie eyes and sticking them everywhere. Their parents hate me now. Um, and uh, Jill and Selena from the Black Cat Report, they cover things like uh, historic UFO cases. And they do a really good job of it, like lesser known ones. So I'd recommend everyone kind of go go check those out. And also a big shout out to Elaine, who the, the elderly lady I met there, who shared her, her story about seeing a saucer, an orange glowing saucer up close about 60 years ago. So I just wanted to say hi. And all of you have contributed to me feeling much more uncomfortable as the air flow reduces in the <laughs> shed. So thanks for that. Um, hi. <laughs> If you are listening, you better be after he shouted out and I'm struggling <laughs> to breathe. Um, but Dan, on to the big news then. So um, we said last week on the breakdown, thanks to everyone who listened, viewed, shared, all that jazz. And I know there'll be some new folks listening from a few big BBC interviews I've managed to get on last week on radio. Um, a few people have been in touch, so hello. Um, David Grush had his home not a homecoming christ that's the wrong word has has coming out that's probably also the wrong word his has, special yeah his special yeah but um yeah. he <laughs> made himself known to the world didn't he in quite a spectacular way through ross coulter leslie kane ralph blumenthal the debrief um and need to know podcast and news nation who showed his uh his story we said at the time we would cover it but then come back this week and look at things a few days on from the one hour special that was going to be filmed on news nation so we're going to jump around yeah. some of those comments so want, much has happened yeah uh, yeah it's, it's been good that we've left it as much as it's nice to record at the time and i do like doing that it, it does give us a kind of bit of a view um if i had more time we would have done this and the one earlier in the week. Anyway, first thing to first though, um, this seven hours of material that has kind of been floating about, people have heard that Ross Coulthard filmed. He did film for seven hours with David Grush back in May. Um, however, it's been cleared up. It was two settings, a kind of three-hour and four-hour session. Much of the sessions kind of overlapped and they covered the same things. They went back over things. So from what they've said, you've had the one-hour special from that material on News Nation. Ross and Bryce, from what I gather, from what they said, there is around 90 minutes to 120 minutes left of footage that would be worth showing because that seven hours included pauses, redoing things, going back over the same story that was told previously um, that wouldn't be worth showing again. So Ross yeah. has said there's going to be um, somewhere they're going to get that 90 minutes to 120 minutes put out. Um, I, I think they're going to probably go for a streaming service. If not that, um, uh, maybe another news partner for it, maybe one of the ones who didn't take up first option. However, 
fair play to News Nation. They've had the first one, but is it you know is it fair to give them the second lot if they wanted it or? Should you try and get it on the biggest platform possible? That's that's up to Ross, uh, of course, uh, along with Bryce, who, who's and, taking and part in that. That's kind of the arm wrestle here as well, isn't it? Like they could just put it out on the YouTube channel, you know, four odd hours of material or whatever. But how many people are going to see that versus getting it somewhere like the Washington Post or even News Nation? You know, yeah. they did such a good job covering it that you know, I, I know it's not mainstream media, but they they covered it in a serious way, and I couldn't fault them. So if Ross decided to go with them again hats off to him you know it's going to get a lot more views but it's the same as an interview say Lou Elizondo goes to do his first book interview when it comes out and everyone's going to be very excited for it whether they're looking forward to it or ready to bash Lou or whatever it might contain there will be some people who would be like oh we can't wait to hear him on your show Andy you should get it first some folks will want to hear them with Ross Coulthard some folks will want to hear them you know Kelly Chase but it makes the most sense that he should probably go on Joe Rogan because Joe Rogan has that audience of millions, not tens of thousands, not hundreds of thousands like Corbell and Nap have as well. Big platform. Go on the one with millions, get it out there to the masses and the public first. Then let the specialists kind of dig into the nitty gritty and speak to people who are more involved in the topic. But yeah, I totally understand why someone like that wants to get on that big platform first and can totally respect that. And the same with the David Grish conversation why Leslie Kane and Ralph Blumenthal wanted this out on the biggest platform possible. And even Ross, like he said himself, no disrespect to the debrief, it's a relatively small platform compared to those bigger news conglomerates. And that's that's just facts. And the debrief know that themselves, but they've done a hell of a job uh, and that's a great place to put that kind of stuff out as well. So so well done to them. Um, Dan, so David Grish done his one hour interview with Ross Coulter. Um, what were your overall thoughts I mean, it was essentially an, an extended version of what we'd seen previously, right? Like a little more nuance. So you got to see David kind of and his body language and kind of what he was saying. And, and a lot of people have taken different things from how he was. Um, but we got to remember that this is this is a person that dedicated their lives to being a patriot, to holding that line and to keeping that information, you, you know, within the bounds of what the government set out. And David's done a really good job in terms of following the checks and balances that were set out. And it seems to have gotten to a point where, like he said in the interview, somebody leaked his name. And that's why he had to come out as quickly as possible because he wanted to get in front of it. So all of these things kind of happening around the same time have been really interesting, you know, very, very serendipitous. But some of the things that he was saying, like for me, the, the biggest takeaway was that, you know, people have testified to Congress, and this is backed up with some statements that officials have come out with this week. He had direct witnesses and evidence to, to pass them like paperwork and things like that. And that's all with the IG now. Just before we get there, right, we'll, we'll, we'll go through some of the main points like that. Sure. I want to ask you first, because this is something that was called out by a lot of people who were very sceptical and rightly so with this sort of thing when it comes out. It's always going to happen in the UFO topic regardless. Um, the idea that the DOD gave him permission to say this, why don't the DOD just say no? I mean, essentially, they're there for a very specific reason. They don't get to say whether something's true or not. They're just there to check if something is classified or unclassified. In this instance, the things that David is saying are unclassified. And what's interesting is there's been a few moments in the interview where, you know, he was asked about Roswell and he said, I'm not clear to talk about that yet. So it implies there's something classified about Roswell that he was told you can't talk about this. And that's really interesting. I want to hear that stuff. And that might just be one thing, though, isn't it? That's not that, yes. oh, I can blow the Roswell story wide open. Yeah. That could just be he knows a very particular thing, such as, and this is just me guessing, um, he knows the exact location of where a piece of the craft is now. Mm -hmm. That that could be it. Just a piece of it he knows is with Lockheed Martin, for example. And, and that could, but he can't tell you that because it's with Lockheed. he can't name a private contract and he's not allowed and that could be all he's getting at so it's not a case of i can't talk about roswell because there was bodies there was aliens there was a spacecraft that's just what this could be so just to yeah, clear that up that, that's a really good point and to play devil's advocate there as well it could just be that he knows that it's not a real case and he knows because they had a specific classified sensor pointed yeah. at the area at that time so he wouldn't be able to talk about that either so we we have to you know keep these things balanced and, and talk down the middle but um but yeah it, it's been really interesting seeing what he's allowed to talk about a lot of people i've seen have made the point well if this ufo program is so uber classified then how come he can talk about it that should be classified but in that instance, I just remind people that, you know, this 
this program, this legacy program that we're alluding to here, it seems to be outside the purview of the law. And therefore, the, the whole classified, unclassified thing is really shaky. When it comes to classified stuff, you know, he's not allowed to mention sources, methods, sensors, that kind of stuff. And he hasn't. He's been really good with this. Um, and that's why I really appreciate the debrief kind of including those other statements from other whistleblowers like Jonathan Gray, you know, the pseudonym that's still working for, for the government. Um, and also there, there were a few others that have been mentioned kind of namelessly that have come forward and, you know, given depositions under oath about this direct evidence. I'm really excited to see what the future hearings would look like, because I don't think there would be many faces that we know in that hearing. It would be people kind of saying, no, I worked on this bit of, you know, metal in my line of work and it was anomalous and I didn't know it was for the UAP program and all that kind of stuff. I, I would love for the American people to hear Dave Fravers story again but it's been documented to high hell here um there, there was like a really nice line that jeremy cobell uh repeated from dave fravor and dave basically texted him this week and said the the u.s government is like a is like an alcoholic when it comes to ufos you need to admit there's a problem before you can tackle it and i just thought that was a really nice analogy i'd like to thank blend jet for sponsoring this episode you know I am already a huge fan of the Blendjet 2. It's a brilliant bit of kit and many of you have picked one up using my promo code, so thanks. I am delighted to let you know it's just got even better. The new Orbiter drinking lid truly puts the Blendjet 2 into the atmosphere ahead of its competition. It's leak-proof, has a larger opening for thick smoothies with room for a straw, and it's engineered to keep spills at bay. I'm surprised Bob Lazar didn't talk about seeing this tech in the halls at S4. It's easy to use, so it can be operated one-handed, ideal for walking around, camping under the stars, or drinking on the treadmill. What are you waiting for? Go to blendjet.com and grab yours today. Don't forget to add the Orbiter lid, and be sure to use the promo code THATUFO12 to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. No other portable blender on the market comes close to the quality, power and innovation of the Blendjet 2. They guarantee you'll love it or your money back. Blend anytime, anywhere with the Blendjet 2 portable blender. Go to blendjet.com and use the code THATUFO12 to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. I've got a question for you, Dan, and I've still been forming it. Okay, I wrote this down a few days ago and hopefully it makes sense, right? You're the head engineer in the engine room, okay, whatever that may, may be called, of a massive cruise ship, okay, and you are out in the middle of the ocean, and you and one or two of your fellow engineers who are working the propulsion system find out that just because of a reason, that ship could blow up at any time. You can't call for help, okay? I'm not allowing you that in this situation, but would you... Knowing that you could keep an eye on it and there's every chance it won't and just keep doing your job, you make your destination. Would you tell the captain? Would you tell the people on board? Would you panic everyone? Or would you just keep it amongst your small isolated engine room and let it carry on to its destination with your kind of fingers crossed? I like that question because it kind of highlights the gray area and all this stuff, right? Like you can you can be positive and mean the best whilst also doing the thing that's worst for people and they will have your head for. I would probably try and keep panic to a minimum and, you know, deal with it within the engine room. If the captain had to be involved, he would be. But I imagine the captain would keep the, you know, panic to a minimum as well. Um, a real life version of that, I guess, is Titanic, right? Like they saw the iceberg, a number of people reported it. It didn't get where it needed to go. And, and you know, it was kept last minute until it was, you know, the ship was sinking and everyone was trying to get on the lifeboats. Um, yeah, you, you kind of have to make the best decisions along the way and minimizing panic and therefore minimizing distraction and anything else going wrong and making the situation worse would be the ideal situation. Yeah, just, just something that came in my head thinking about the why keep this a secret and with people like this coming forward, is there a very small group sitting there, or maybe not there now, but from the beginning, who thought, we know things we shouldn't, or we are just discovering things that we don't want other folks to know for, for various reasons. Forgetting that some people are very a vocal minority, you know, we deserve to know the truth. And wherever you sit on that argument is, is valid regardless. But maybe there are reasons that some of this stuff doesn't come out. And that sort of gets touched on a little bit within some of David Grish's comments. Um, particularly being that some species or non-human intelligences are not so good and others are nicer. And that's not a new, a new thing. And to be fair, 
has David Grush said anything really that was brand new, a wow claim? A lot of it was things, and this isn't a detrimental comment, that we have heard before in the UFO topic in conversation. Some folks use that against David Grush as a way to kind of invalidate his claims, which I don't believe is, is fair because he's saying that he has seen direct evidence of this within the documents he's he's read. Yeah. And and they were they were friends of his as well that he knew for decades that come forward to him and said, Hey, now you're doing this, I kind of have to share this with you. And that must have been shattering for him as a person to realize that friends had, you know, a secret this big that, that wasn't being spoken about. Um David at one point said that he is one of tens of hundreds who wants this out. And that is so encouraging because that number is just growing every day. And we we hear about that Collins elite, you you know, that kind of religious slant on this whole thing that some kind of religious I'm gonna say extremists, but I don't really mean extremists in it, just you know, really heavily religious folk, um, devout folk, I'll say. Um, that they didn't want this out because they thought it demonic and things like that. I like that we're getting past that superstition now because superstition has no place in science. You know, there's no magic qualities. Like when we talk about how magical vinyl sounds compared to CDs, that's, there's an effect there. You can replicate that. It's not magic. Um, You just have to apply the science to it and, and you can do that. So I'm excited that we're getting to that point. You know, the snowball's building. So to fire through some of the comments, uh, the 1933 crash recovery, um, which was in Italy, Mussolini's government, it wasn't a new case. People, Some people have heard about this one before, so this wasn't one that was hidden away in the archives anywhere. But he confirmed that was the first known case of a, a crashed craft that was eventually recovered in part by the US after the war, I'm right to said, yeah? Yeah, it's kind of between the two, because a lot of people attribute it to the, the Nazis, but we're kind of a bit before that then, right? Like, it's not kicked off in the way that we, we think of when we think of Nazis. So, uh, yeah, and Lute, Lute spoke about the 1933 case as well. So it's interesting that that's kind of, you know, being essentially backed up. I, I've started over the past week to look at Grush, not as the 2023 Lou, but he's essentially, because he has access to over 2,000 SAPs, he's the guy that looks after them. Essentially, what we're looking at is Wilson instead of, it, you know, the guy in the backseat talking, this is Wilson saying, yeah, we tried, we didn't get access. So we, we really don't need to hold on to those Wilson notes as, as preciously now because we have someone willing to talk who, who has that kind of access. Yeah, you would hope that Wilson memo would just end up being another document and amongst hundreds yeah. of other documents, but you still need the additional to go along with it, the photos, exactly. the videos, the physical evidence as well. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that there were agreements between the US and non-human intelligences that he had had seen evidence of. This, again, is something that isn't new, but was interesting to hear in that sort of setting. At this point, I remember watching it, and obviously it's a, a lot of clips put together from a larger body, like we said, of recording. This is something that I thought, and I was on the bus to work when I watched it, I was like, I'm loving hearing this. I'm loving what I'm getting. I love the the way it's being presented. I love that kind of bang, bang, bang. This is great sound bites for people like us to discuss and yeah. people listening or watching this to, to pour over. But I think of the mainstream public, is that a point? It gets too much and people go, mm, nah, not for me. Because it suddenly becomes, ah, oh, they might have found some crash stuff. And, you know, they're talking about maybe there is aliens to all of a sudden, ah, oh, the government's got agreements with them. And I'm not saying that's not true and that's not happened, but is it still a point that it can be a tipping for many people to kind of get off the conversation, regardless of the what's being presented or how it's being presented, which I thought was great. It was just that moment I was like, mm, is that the point if you could get the Nielsen ratings, you see a drop off? Yeah, you know, when you talk to people about this stuff, there's a moment, right, where, you, you know, they'll ask you, like, do you believe there are aliens here, that kind of stuff, and you have that conversation. And you can recognize when you've gone too far because that glaze yeah. kind of appears over people's eyes. And that's where, you know, some people double down. Yep, um, but over time, like I've learned that, you know, when that happens, just step away. The seeds in there, they're interested, you, you know, like let it sit and simmer. You're, you're totally right. I think the kind of, you know, the bodies stuff would be where people's eyes glaze over a little bit. Not because they think it's, you know, nonsense, but just because it's so much yeah. to go from not talking about this stuff to, oh God, the government has bodies and agreements it sounds too sci-fi but it doesn't mean that it is you know these are rumors that we've heard time and time and time and time again in the community and now we're seeing someone who testified under oath with direct evidence about these things so it's almost like we talked about 
before the the slow roll of disclosure, you know, this kind of narrative unfolding slowly. It's almost like David's pushed it a little bit further. So then next time we have the conversation and there might be something even loftier, people will kind of go, oh yeah, bodies, I heard about that agreement. Okay, that's fine. Let's carry on. And another thing will be that glaze, you know? It's it's why I still think we're a way, a way, way off. And this, this is the thing that upsets some experiencers, that conversation around abductions, abductees, what happens and again that's just way down the line and when people say we need these conversations happening now it's just a turn off for too many people because it's too that you're right into the deep end you should still be in the you know the paddling pool where you can stand up um yeah, exactly it's kind of like no child left behind right like everyone yeah. needs to be on this boat it needs to be explained simply so that when it happens there's no panic and, and riots in the streets and things like that um though Maybe there will be inevitably. I, I don't know, but it, it's exciting to see it going. Well, um, unfortunately, we heard David Grush has been harassed and also had his house broken into. That was in the follow-up done on Need to Know with Ross Coulthard and Bryce Zabel. Um, very worth, much worth checking out their kind of post-analysis of the interview as well, given it was it was their work. I think it's fair to say mainly Ross's work, but Bryce was involved. So that's, you know, Ross's yeah, Ross's piece, obviously, on the back of the article that was done. Um, but they and discussed... Sorry, just to jump in there and just say like Bryce is currently like the reason he's probably not that involved is because he's got a few things kind of on the burner, you know, Betty and Barney Hill project and things. But also there's the writer strike in Hollywood, which he is a writer. So he's supporting that and and power to him. Anyone that's listening who's a writer, keep standing your ground. You'll get there. You'll get the millions. And um, yeah, David Grush uh, interview. uh, Sorry, uh, after that or before it, he's been harassed. His house is broken into and they alluded to the fact that it wasn't necessarily the government and was most likely a private contractor that was unhappy with him coming forward. And, yeah. um, but they said he's safe because he's made his stand so public. An argument many had with the Bob Lazar story. Yeah, that's right. That by going out and becoming public, you you secure your safety. And I think I mentioned before, and, and you know, touch wood, God forbid, something did happen to David Grush, even in an accidental form, you know, struck by lightning. That would look so suspicious now. Because he's put himself out there that, you know, people would immediately jump on the conspiracy theory bandwagon, like with JFK, you know, oh yeah, so it was a lone gunman, but yeah, imagine it was, but all that other stuff is happening in the background anyway, and that's, it's, uh, yeah, so it's, I think he's, he has kind of secured his safety, putting himself out there like that, if indeed there was a chance of anything happening in the background, um, not unsurprising though, is it, that that, that goes on, I think that's just standard that we know. Yeah, exactly. And we've heard some names for who these private contractors might be. You know, we're less talking about people like Bigelow. We're talking more about people like Lockheed Martin and, you, you know, companies like that that go way back and are actually conglomerates of loads of different companies who that were kind of established roundabouts the Roswell crash. So it's really intriguing that all of this kind of lines up, you know, there's there's a neat narrative. And you know what they say, you know, uh, what is it, Occam's Razor? You know, the, the thing with the least amount of assumptions usually turns out to be right. And it's certainly, for me at least, kind of starting to get towards a timeline where the simple the simple answer is that mm. it's something that they've tried to hide that is spectacular. Uh, and just want to point out, I never named any contractors in that alleged business. And uh, <laughs> Dan is much closer to you than I am. He's based in the US right now. So, you know... I'm, yeah, I'm confident. Like, I'm on the road, so my address is constantly changing, yeah. you know? Yeah, they can track your phone. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll give out Dan's number, that's fine. Keep myself safe. And um, a few other things that came out of this, or just before it, sorry, and was followed up on, that David Grush's legal team had ended their working relationship. That was the Compass Rose Legal Group. Um, Ross was very quick to, to offset this by saying, and I think it was fair like many of us did, the fact they had ended their relationship wasn't a slight on David Grush and the whole situation. It yeah. seemed that one, their their work had been done, but two, I, I imagine their feet were getting a little bit cold given they were being associated as a major legal firm with the UFO topic and all of a sudden it became bodies and spacecraft and it probably got to the point they were like, look, can we end this working relationship because this might not be good for future business for us and you can understand that. That's That's got to be fair. Um, Ross Coulthard did say that the, the IG, the Inspector General involvement, really does offset any suspicion about the legal team walking away because that largely confirms the authenticity and validity of David Grush's claims that he's not just making this up, you know, this is this is legit what he's saying, and there are others that can back that up too, yeah? 
Yeah, 100%. Uh, the thing with the legal group, um, I think a lot of people were holding on to it because it was such a heavy hitter in terms of legal groups um, that they were taking it as their involvement made it you, you know, credible that they were confirming the bodies and things like that. But the one thing that's kind of, you know, come come to light for me is that this legal group re- represents government employees. David is no longer a government employee. So it makes complete sense for them to end their relationship once that IG complaint has been submitted. But the gentleman in the legal group who was helping David, uh, he used to be the IG himself. And he's actually stepped away from the legal firm to carry on representing David, which I think that does lend a certain credence to to you know, what, what David's saying and the protection that he needs and the kind of representation that he needs. This is really serious. This is not just, you know, some random dude coming out and kind of saying like, oh, I got, you know, bodies and things that we don't really know about. This guy is a very, very qualified individual with a lot of access. And, you know, if, if this former IG is taking it seriously, I, I suggest we, you know, as I always say, hold it lightly, but just take it very seriously. I'd like to thank Liquid IV for sponsoring this episode. Folks, you've heard me bang on about my own health and fitness journey the last year or so and how it's true that by looking after yourself, you just feel better. Staying hydrated is key to having the energy to get through your daily routine feeling good. That's where Liquid IV is the category winning hydration brand fueling your well-being and their hydration multiplier is the one product you may be missing in that daily routine. Eating and drinking healthy can sometimes be boring, but the range of flavours offered by Liquid IV takes care of that, with lemon and lime, pina colada and tropical punch among some of the best, though I'm particularly fond of the strawberry lemonade. Just one stick of Liquid IV in 16 ounces of water hydrates you two times faster and more efficiently than water alone, containing five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12 and vitamin C, with three times the electrolytes of premium sports drinks and its non g GMO and gluten-free, dairy and soya-free too. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code THATUFO at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code THATUFO at liquidiv.com. How have you viewed the media reporting of this case? I know a lot of listeners in the UK have been in touch to say, you know, still nothing about this in the UK, really. I know, like I said, I was on a couple of BBC radio stations discussing it, and I know a few others have been as well. And it's touched a few media outlets, but not in a big, big way. But I, again, I'm still not surprised at that, that it's not made BBC News at 10, it's not made Sky News, ITN, ITV News. Um, Ross Coulthard made the point uh, about anonymous sources being a no-no in the media world as being a put off for sorry that's the heat getting to me now being detrimental to a big story when you have to just cite anonymous sources but he controversially to some used the talk of wmds in iraq ahead of the iraq war and i he like made, this yeah he made the point i know some people didn't like it uh, he made the point and but it's fair that media outlets were happy to use anonymous sources then to push an agenda which ultimately led to a war and i'm not going to get into that that's not what this is about yeah sure but seems to be because this time it's about aliens and I'm using that very crudely, but it is. Um, and that's the way the media will look at it. Aliens, really, this is what you're bringing me. Regardless of the backing up of it, then the anonymous sources aren't enough. Um, I think Ross has got a fair point there and I think you do too, but the sounds of it, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. hundred um, percent. You, you know, if we can accept these kind of anonymous witnesses and, and intel uh, for something like that, that was world changing and it changed the world for, you know, a solid 10, 15 years there. And we're still seeing effects of it now. Then why not for this one? It's, it's just as explosive, uh, no pun intended. Um, and the, the statements from officials this week is certainly kind of laying into to the right vibe that they're going to look into this and this isn't the first time they've heard it. Uh, so at the very least we have some officials taking it in that way, but mainstream media has a big responsibility to just report on this properly. You know, they don't have to say they believe it. They just have to present the facts. And and certainly over the last few years, the media has had trouble presenting facts without bias. 
Speaking of presenting facts without bias, Dan, the Vatican were then cited um, as having an involvement in the UFO topic. Not unsurprising, I would say, to many who have an interest in the UFO topic. Um, Diana Pasulka was on with Jay from Project Unity, and she said, look, there's going to be different types of disclosure. And I like the point she made that disclosure will take different forms. It's not just that uh, one body or governing body is likely to come out and say, we have an ET presence on the planet. We've known about it for years. She's making the point that we're seeing various disclosures now there's a military disclosure there'll be governmental disclosure there'll be that religious disclosure and that's with um she said she'd been in the vatican archives and there are tons and tons of archives going back millennia showing uh, a presence of whatever this phenomenon could be and that the vatican knows and have done particularly since 1933 with the the crash in italy which makes sense with the crash being in Italy, right? They're the big power there. It would make yeah. sense that it's a religious lens and they go that way. Uh, but the Vatican goes way back. You know, we have all this religious art with these little, you know, ships in the sky putting beams of light on people and things like that. So we we can't assume that we're the only ones to ever notice that, right? Yeah. And we've spoken before about, you know, Britain and their kind of conquest over the world that surely they came across something about this. Um, so all of these things point to, uh, you know, I like what Diana said about there needing to be separate disclosures because we've spoken before about who would be trusted as the de facto mm. person to kind of say, yeah, they're here, this is alien craft. Not one person. So we need these different areas to come out and essentially all agree and, you know, make people go, oh, crap, this isn't, you know, we're, we're not in Kansas anymore. Everyone is saying the same thing no matter where you look. And the church did come out a few years ago. Um, I, I want to say the gentleman's name was Guy Casigliano, I think it was. He, he runs an observatory for the Vatican. And they had a, a big forum meeting, essentially, about life outside of the planet. And they came down on deciding that, you know, we're all God's children and life elsewhere would also be God's children. So essentially, it's not a problem for, for Catholicism if there is life elsewhere. And it gets talked about a lot that it would be. But, you know, that's the church's position. It shouldn't be. We, I think we talked about that at the time, didn't we? That sounds familiar, the name. The name at least yeah. does, yeah. Um, and to be fair, uh, Ross, uh, his last big statement for me, along with Bryce on the analysis, mentioned that there are other first-hand witnesses who will be coming forward who have worked on crash retrieval programs. Bryce himself said we'll leave it at that because we can't go into it too much more. Big statement, but for me, that's, uh, yep, fair enough. Ross has put his reputation uh, on the line with this one, and he is delivering to be fair to him. So I'll, I've got no issue with Ross saying that and yep. Okay. I'll, I'll wait on those witnesses coming forward and hopefully that's sooner than later. Um, yeah. Anything it, else it, from you that stood out on that? It seems that like, you know, sometimes like if you're watching a movie and you see a certain scene and it'll make you kind of ask the question, Oh, well, why did this character do that? Usually the scene following it will explain why the character did that. You know, it's a very ABC kind of thing. I feel like the questions we're being asked now, we're being set up to ask, so they will be satisfied by the next people that come forward. We'll start hearing from these direct witnesses. And Ross isn't the only person I've heard this from as well. Um, you know, I've, I've heard whispers um, of people being queued up essentially to come forward, like, a, you know, a, I was going to say a house of dominoes then, but that's not the right analogy. Um, but essentially to just, you know, address these questions one by one and, and just shore up the case, essentially, that there is a preponderance of evidence that, that are just showing. We, we have uh, a journalist, a heavy hitter journalist, Michael Schallenberger. He's been covering this as well. Mm. And he's spoken to witnesses separately from Grush and, you know, from Ross and Leslie. And he's very much come into the same conclusions. And he said publicly that he has the program names. He's been told them, but he can't reveal them. So we're starting to get some more mainstream journalistic, uh, you know, interest in this. Uh, but I think something like, you know, Grush going on Joe Rogan and just taking audience questions and, you know, really being drilled on this for four hours. I, I think that could be a, a very nice next step. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to just get to a couple of listener thoughts on this and loads of people gave us stuff. So thank you. Um, Dalimar put an interesting idea that we're at the point where criticism against David Grush isn't personal. In other words, they're not calling him a liar, but uh, he is a decorated public servant. And that's why, sorry. So instead, he's supposedly being fed lies by other people, unbeknownst to him, who are presumably all very high level government officials. So he's getting to the idea that the debunking and disinformation is getting to the point because it's so credible, he thinks they're having to basically feed lies to the people who could be credible to get them to come out and see it. And that's the only way this could be true. 
or you know that he's lying. So yeah, interesting. Um, Cameron J thinks it's well managed hearsay until we've got tangible witness evidence. It's only ever going to be a spooky story. Uh, Brennan said he is stunned at the lack of mainstream media picking this up. Need congressional open hearings to be public and include first hand uh, first hand witnesses. Uh, Dog Outlaw said disappointed but hopeful. Move on over. Great name, by the way. Move on over. Um, my mind is still on agreements. I want to know about the agreements. I need to know about the agreements. I'm ready to unpack it all. And uh, yeah, lots of other cool comments on there. I'm going to keep some of those for uh, down the line, but we will get to them. Um, There'll be a part three, for sure. Well, uh, yeah, kind of, because I want to move on to something just quickly to touch on it. One, because I've not managed to watch it all yet, but two, sure. I'd like to do it as a separate covering because i think it probably deserves that um stephen greer had his disclosure 2.0 conference on june 12th um it was about three hours long i've not managed to cover it yet dan have you managed to watch it all so i've watched some of it but i do have a list of highlights that i've kind of pulled together um okay. you just you know if someone doesn't have three odd hours to watch it these are kind of the main well, points we'll touch on it because i'm going to cover it properly um <laughs> so i want to make sure that we, we do that but um i just want to say that it was interesting to see richard dolan went off on stephen greer on jimmy church and his own show saying that we need to call out stephen greer's bs um and it, it was quite funny to see Jimmy Church looking really uncomfortable because he <laughs> is someone who courts Stephen Greer's BS uh, for for his reasons. Um, so yeah, that was that was quite funny to see Jimmy Church kind of sulking back into his chair as Richard Dolan went, "No, this is nonsense," and he has to stop being able to get away with it. Um, yeah. What surprised me though with the whole Stephen Greer conference, everyone said, including myself, you know, this is Stephen Greer jumping on the bandwagon, attaching his name to a big situation, the David Grush story, trying to get on board the the Kane Blumenthal Coulthard wake. Not that he's part of that, but he's very much attaching himself to it to yeah. amplify his story. However, the the reaction was pretty positive from what more positive than I expected, shall I say, online. Um, a lot of folks who are ready to be negative with it, you know, listeners and commentators online that I would respect their opinions came forward and went, actually, it wasn't bad from what they saw. And that was down to the, still a distrust of Greer, but the witnesses themselves being being pretty credible and telling their stories in a very credible way as well. Uh, do you want to just touch on some highlights and then we'll cover it properly yeah for sure i won't go too in depth but you know by and large the the claims are the same as we're hearing from elsewhere so mm. uh you know we're looking at many different civilizations from many different planets not just one um the the one controversial thing was that uh it was presented that all extraterrestrial civilizations are non-hostile to humans which you know again that kind of goes against and, and we've spoken about that before you know being a generalization um, that extraterrestrial tech has been studied by humans and reverse engineered and that the breakthroughs in energy and things like that from those reverse engineerings are being held back. Um, the many different types of UAP are human made, um, you know, the EM field or electromagnetic field propulsion engines, that there exists a shadowy group within the US government established in the 50s, which has its own Air Force, Navy on fundraising mechanism um, that kind of controls this. This group has overseen illegal projects, which constitute a grave threat to national security, world security, and peace, uh, concealing technology. And at least uh, one of these covert projects has been targeted and had targeted and successfully downed an ET vehicle. And that there's a lot in that, right? Because yeah. do we do we want if you know assume it's true? Do we want these vehicles being shot at? Like, is that the first foot we want to put out as a civilization? Or do we want to, you know, roll out the red carpet and make some cakes and have a party, you know? Sure. Um, and that that shadowy group um, have committed major crimes against humanity worldwide, including robbery, treason, mass murder, torture, kidnapping, abduction, embezzlement, laundering of funds, surveillance, false imprisonment. So a lot of it is stuff that we've heard before. And it's stuff that kind of backs what someone like Grush is saying as well. Um, you, you know, there was nothing really there for me that kind of rocked the boat in a big way, except for that one that says they're all non-hostile to humans, which just just by statistics alone is just not going to be true, right? Yeah, it's a sweeping statement. But uh, as much to say that they would all be hostile, again, you, you couldn't say it either way, could you? That's Exactly. That's it, yeah. And, and like with humans, some of us are hostile and some of us are nice. You know, it's even within the, the species, there are, there's a variation. 
Sure. Um, so yeah, that'll be one I think is best to cover hopefully next week in, in proper form and we'll dig into the, the witnesses' stories as well. For example, Michael Herrera talks about an incident in Indonesia 2009 where he says he saw ammunition and guns being loaded onto a flying saucer, essentially. Stephen Greer presented this as quite flippantly, I thought, and this is something we'll go into when we look at it properly. Um, you know, oh, one of our back-engineered objects, as if like, oh yeah, I know this for a fact, and that kind of stuff. <laughs> I was like, oh, shush. That's it's annoying. also funny to kind of use, uh, you know, an F-18 to transport bow and arrows. There's an irony there, right? <laughs> 100%. Like when people point at a light in the sky and go, oh, TR-3B yeah, from the Palladian <laughs> galaxy. You, you don't know that. Um, uh, something a few people asked us, Dan, to touch on because we hadn't, and it wasn't through any kind of, I don't know, not liking the story as such, but was the Las Vegas UFO thing that kind of oh, sure. took the world by storm last week. Um, if people haven't seen this story, I'm sure many of you have. The cops were called, sorry, the police and cops. It's just I'm reading the article here as I say this. Um, the essentially. Yeah, the popo, the fuzz, depending on where you are <laughs> in the world, yeah. The police service, uh, as are affectionately known in many areas. Um, hi to any serving officers. Um, you might be listening to this on duty, who knows? Maybe. Uh, yeah, but um, anyway, so uh, a family basically called the police to say, we have um, two aliens in our back garden. The dispatch calls available online, and they're very much like, yeah, sure. You know, like, hmm. Um, but they're like, no, no, this isn't a joke. Seriously, we've got like kind of eight foot, 10 foot tall beings, big black eyes, as you would expect. Um, so they sent a couple of police officers out um, who couldn't find any evidence of aliens. But there then was uh, a screen capture as, as available online, but also the video of a flash in the sky going past later on. They talked about that uh, an object had crashed in their back garden. There's a, you know, a picture of the kid who reported this standing next to this kind of circle but i know many folks have said he literally looks like he's made it with his foot and traced it round in a circle for me the story was interesting it came at a convenient time again though i i think that's me being skeptical to be honest which is you know unlike me um <laughs> given what was being talked about in the mainstream media that oh look a family's had aliens land in their back garden in Vegas. So either, like I said online, it was the start of the movie Signs actually happening. That's, that or, crossed my mind too. Yeah. <laughs> or it was someone maybe taking advantage of the situation. And maybe I'm being a little bit biased, but I did read at the time quite quickly that the kid had a kind of uh, defunct YouTube channel that talked yeah. about aliens and NFTs, which suddenly when he put out his own piece on that, got loads of views. So great piece of viral marketing if that's the case um but i just don't think there was enough to this either way for me to really land on anything um i know yeah. people like james fox came out and said no this is almost definitely a hoax when you look at it um i really struggled and the body cam footage would have been a big thing for me not the body cam footage sorry they they said they had filmed the aliens as yeah. they were in the back garden so you see some of the adults that go with it going yeah they're there behind the forklift and and such i couldn't see anything on those cameras even when they're circling the points i'm meant to be looking at dan i don't know about you i could make out nothing yeah, same. And and many people will look at it and kind of, you know, adjust the video and get some shadows and say that, that the shadow is, you know, the, the aliens. Um, being in this part of the world, I, I've seen a whole bunch of bears and I've only managed to capture one on film. And it was very briefly and you kind of see him in the woods, but I managed to capture him. You know, he's clearly there. You can see him. So, you know, there's no real reason that, uh, you know, an alien would be more skittish than a bear that wants to get out of your way and hide. Um, so yeah, it was strange. I've seen a number of people have sent me like a fake video of like this gangly being crawling around a back garden with the audio attached. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, the footage is getting out there as like this legit thing. And that that is a construct, you know, the the being with the audio over the top that that's not a real video. Um, I was traveling as all this came out. So I kind of literally saw the initial thing and the end thing with James Fox saying, you know, that's probably a hoax. Um, but it's being followed up. I'm fairly sure I read that the police are putting cameras in the people's gardens who reported it just in case these things come back. Reminded me a lot of the Virginia case. You know, this is what it would look like if it happened in somewhere like LA, um, you know, pick up that way. 
Uh, but NASA said the the flash that the kids saw in the sky in film that that's actually a meteor, and it looks yeah. like a meteor as well. And the two things coincided, so you know people have conflated, uh, especially the witness has conflated the two. The thing about the circle, people have gone onto Google Maps and found that that circle was there going way back. So you know the kid can't kind of blame that on yeah. um, whatever came down. And yeah, I mean. It's interesting timing. Uh, I've seen people say that it kind of undercuts David Grush's claims and distracts from it, you know. Um, but also at the same time, I don't really see how saying aliens are here is a distraction from what Grush was saying. It's yeah. kind of bolstering his story in a lot of ways, you know. So, yeah, that can kind of sit on the back burner. Um, it's just another one of these cases that we probably will never get solved, right? Um, and it's unfortunate, but this is why we have a number of tendrils going in different directions at the moment. Um with people like Project Galileo doing their work and, and Arrow and NASA doing theirs. Um, we, we need multiple sources. And what Diana said about multiple places for disclosure rings, kind of true, you know, they will make sense. Yeah, so ahead of that being followed up on next week, uh, sorry, the Stephen Greer conference in full, if you've got any thoughts, opinions on any of the, the stories told, the anecdotes, or just the conference in general, let us know. That'd be great. We'll cover off any other stories that happen within that week. Given the pace of news breaking at the moment, it'll certainly be worth uh, a few other things worth talking about anyway as well. Fair to say, Dan? Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to say to you, like, we, we always talk about how the mainstream media kind of, there's so much going on in politics that they'll often use stories to almost distract from certain things. Whereas this week we had Trump's second indictment and Grush's stories still kind of stayed at the forefront. And, and I thought that was an interesting change. You know, it, it's almost getting to the point where Johnny and Amber would have their work out in court to keep those ratings as high as they did. Hmm. Depending on what part of the world you're in. Yeah, sure. That's fair. Uh, in the UK, we have still got an infinite number of things that are taking over the, the news cycle from that. But it's it's still progress. It's still been better than what it was. And for me, it still stands to reason the the strength of what David Grush has done and those that have helped him get his story out there will be what happens next. And yeah. not necessarily from him at all. His part in this could almost be, be done and finished now. Yeah, it's what happens with what he's handed on to Congress. And then going into the summer, the, the whistleblower... Um, the whistleblowers are witnesses for Stephen Bassett coming forward. And uh, I only hope and pray that the Congress is air-conditioned for them. Um, or <laughs> may God have mercy on their souls, Dan. Yeah, absolutely. Um, would you like a chat GPT joke? I saw someone complain that I didn't include one last time. So yeah, I just just one there. person, though, yeah. You can just, finish with a, a, yeah. a chat GPT joke. Sorry, chat, chat GPT joke, yeah. <laughs> um, why did the alien cross the galaxy? Um, don't know. To get to the other star, but oh, I like that one. <laughs> I thought you would. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> I'm happy with that. Thanks, folks. That is all for this week's show. Thank you very much for listening. Please remember to leave the podcast a review on your chosen platform. You can like, retweet, and subscribe. That would all be very much appreciated. The shows are being uploaded onto YouTube as we speak more and more. You can sign up at patreon.com forward slash that UFO podcast to access the shows ad free as well. Please get in touch on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, that UFO podcast. Of course, on Twitter, it's at UFO, U-A-P-A-M. And again, folks, as always, keep looking up. You never know what you might see. It wasn't a tic-tac and not quite a saucer, more like a hubcap designed by Chaucer. A little Baroque and quite steampunk, like Alice was playing bass for the Parliament of Fuck. The little fucker hovered right outside of my window, and when I shut out the screen, he made it an issue. I don't think he expected me to see his ass, but I'd had some champagne and smoked a little bit.